everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speak to the Beak. I am Tim the Ferds, flying solo tonight, no Lou. For those of you who are wondering, he is currently on hour 23 of consecutive working hours. So he will not be joining us tonight. Um, if you're new to the Thursday show, welcome. We kind of, you know, break down all the NFL games coming up for the current weekend. So this week would be week 13. Uh, we also start off with some news uh, towards the beginning of the podcast. So we're going to hop right into it because uh, we got a little bit of news today, different sports. Uh, so we'll start basketball. Uh, last night, the Houston Rockets traded Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards for John Wall in a first-round pick. For both of these teams, not sure what we're doing here. Um Westbrook and Wall are pretty much the same guy. I mean, Westbrook is better, obviously, but they're the same type of guy. Same type of guy. They can't shoot. Uh, they don't really play defense. They pound the ball on the floor. Uh, so for Houston, I'm not sure what swapping out Westbrook for Wall does because Harden's your guy that pounds the air out of the ball. Uh, but it does reunite John Wall with uh, Boogie Cousins, so that's exciting, I guess, for him. In terms of Washington... I'm just assuming that that's going to drive Bradley Beal over the edge and he's going to look for a trade. Either that or they're going to flip Westbrook and just make it Beal's team straight up. Really not sure where they're going there. Uh, But they do have a pretty sweet backcourt if Westbrook can uh, get along with Beal. Both of those guys, I'm not sure. Now, I can't really assess Beal because he's played with nobody in the past two or three years because Wall's been injured. But uh, I don't know. They feel like the same guy, type of guy and that they're just there to you know pad their stats. Uh, I know Westbrook definitely is. Beal, I'm not sure about. Um, so that was just some quick basketball news. The, the trade for me is wash. It, it does nothing for me. I think it's just... And their contracts are exactly the same. So you're not even moving money around. It was just we're swapping you know, Russell Westbrook for a more injured version of Russell Westbrook. So I'm not really sure what we're doing there. That's that. The next piece of NFL news, uh, Josh Gordon reinstated. He could start playing in the final two weeks of the season. This is pretty big for Seattle. Now, obviously, they're already an offensive juggernaut, and we're going to talk about more. We're going to talk about them more during the previews. But... Lining up Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Josh Gordon with Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde in the backfield, Russell Wilson, a quarterback, that's a stacked offense you got there. And that should help them control the middle of the field a little bit more with a bigger body because uh, they don't really have a tight end threat at all. So that's that's big for Seattle. Uh, they Their defense has stepped it up the past couple of weeks. They've also played, you know, the Eagles one of those weeks who can't do anything right, so... I don't really know how to assess them, but ever since they got Dunlap from Cincinnati, their defense has taken a big step up. So those are our two kind of pieces of news. Like I said, we are here to preview the games, and it's week 13, so we're really getting down to you know, playoff time, NFL. So if we look at the standings as they are right now, there's no Thursday night football because obviously we had football on Wednesday. Which, how wild was that, right? I mean, I got home from work, and here I am, watching football on a Wednesday afternoon. 
I felt like I was watching one of those like recorded games that they replay on NFL Network, but like, I didn't know the ending, so I, I was all in there. Uh, for the AFC, our top seven right now, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tennessee, Buffalo, the top four, and then our three wildcard teams would be Cleveland, Miami, Indianapolis, and then right there in the hunt, you have Vegas, Baltimore, and New England. So that's kind of the top 10. Everyone else in the AFC is pretty much out of it. For the NFC, you have Saints, Seahawks, Packers, Giants at 4 and 7, which just looks so ridiculous next to 9 and 2, 8 and 3, and 8 and 3. Then your three wildcard teams are the Rams, the Bucks, the Cardinals, and that's that's your three wildcard teams. The next three teams up after that are Minnesota, Chicago, San Fran, and Detroit. So there's a couple of big games coming up this weekend. Uh, one of them low-key is Detroit and Chicago. Because they're only... If Detroit wins this week, they'll be two games out of that last spot. So I hope it's still alive, even though they're 4-7. and seven. So we're going to get right into the previews. Because uh, there's like a bunch of underlying storylines that we could talk about here. So we're just going to go right in order. As you guys know, some games I like more than others, so I spend some more time on them. Uh, so we're just going to get it kicked off right at the 1 o'clock slot. First game, Saints at the Falcons. The line is currently Saints giving three points. Saints are 9-2, and two, Atlanta's 4-7, and seven, but this is a divisional game. You know, things happen in divisional games all the time. The Saints are definitely not as good with Taysom Hill at quarterback because he can't read the defense or throw. All right? he's a much Obviously, he's much more mobile than Drew Brees. And I didn't think he was going to be Drew Brees as a thrower because Drew Brees is like, you know, a top 10 all-time quarterback and Taysom Hill is, you know, some 29-year-old utility player that happens to also be able to play quarterback. Um, Saints offense has really taken a dive down since he's taken over a quarterback. So far, he has had like two good quarters and six or seven bad ones. Now, they got away with a free win last week because they played Denver, who literally did not have a quarterback. Not like, oh, like their quarterback's terrible. Like, no, like they literally did not have one. They were having, you know, Philip Lindsay lining up under center and like the Wildcat every play running the ball. And then they had a practice squad receiver who played quarterback at Wake Forest, play quarterback. It was tough to watch. <laughs> it was really, at first it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then after like 10 minutes, it was like, okay, can we give them a quarterback? Um, so this is a, this is a big game. Mostly because the NFC is not locked up for the number one seed right now. And we know this year the number one seed is massive because of there's only one bye. The Saints could use that bye, especially because they have a veteran team. And they tend to get knocked out by teams that they totally should not lose to. So this is big for them. Uh, for the Falcons, they're coming off a game where they curb stomped the life out of the Raiders. It was like 46 to 7 or 43 to 6 or something like that. It was bad for the Raiders. Um, I was surprised the Falcons came out and did that. I'm not going to lie. But you guys know, me and the Falcons, we don't get along. Because right? when I pick them to win, they lose. And then when I pick them to lose, they win. So luckily last week, I avoided that by saying, I'm not even going to touch this game. And a good thing I did it because I thought Oakland, I mean Oakland, I thought the Raiders were going to win, and here they are down by 40. So that was great. 
Um, I'm going to stick with the Saints here because their defense has really ramped it up the past couple of weeks. And they just donkey kicked the Falcons like two or three weeks ago. So I'm going to stick with the Saints in this game. Over-under is 45. That would be interesting. I don't think I like that. You know, Lou's not here to give us some super good or bad <laughs> betting intel. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Saints because they need this to, you know, get that number one seed. Next game on the slate here, Detroit Lions at Chicago Bears. If you read the Friday Fire, you know where I stand on this game. I'm going with the Lions, baby. First, our news... Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have been fired. Thank goodness. It's time to save everyone's career for Detroit. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Ownership's terrible. But I'm assuming, because normally what happens when a coach gets fired is, you know, the players realize, like, okay, hey, we're playing for our jobs now. I mean, you're playing for your job already, but you're really playing for your job now because the new regime might just get rid of everybody. No one's safe. Even the quarterback, Matt Stafford, no one's safe. This is time for them to step up. And they're playing a Bears team with Mitch Trubisky, a quarterback, who is god-awful. He's so bad. This is a, this is a statement game you could, you could win right here. The Bears defense gave up last week. You could see they know that Mitch Trubisky can't move the ball whatsoever. And they were just letting the Packers do whatever they wanted. Because I doubt losing Akeem Hicks prompted the Bears defense to forget how to play coverage and tackle and all that. And you could tell when you watch the game. Some of their guys are not trying hard. So I think this is a the perfect storm for the Lions. They're going to come in, you know, ready to go. They want this win. They need it, right? Because they're trying to prove, like, hey, we're good players. Just the last coaching staff was incompetent. And the Bears have pretty much given up since Mitch Trubisky has taken over. I like the Lions getting three points. How Mitch Trubisky could ever be favored in a game, I'm really not sure, unless they were playing like the Jets or something. Uh, I'm going to take the Lions. DeAndre Swift should be back. Kenny Galladay didn't practice again today. I don't know what's going on with his hip injury, but it's looking doubtful that he's going to play, which is unfortunate. Uh, But I'm still going to stick with the Lions there. And that kind of gives it an interesting dynamic for that last wild card. Because uh, like I said, two or three weeks ago, I told Lou, the Cardinals' schedule gets really tough coming up. And they've dropped two of those games that were both very winnable games for them. And it's kind of put them in a tough spot. Uh, the next game, this is going to be a good game. Browns at the Titans. Two teams that are 8-3. and three. They're playing at 1 o'clock in Tennessee. These are the exact same team. They're the exact same team. They rely on the run game. The Titans' defense is terrible. The Browns' defense is at least solid. Um, You know, they have like one or two receivers that could be explosive. Obviously, A.J. Brown is really good. But, you know, he doesn't get targeted that much, obviously, because they feed Derrick Henry the ball. Same thing with the Cleveland Browns. You know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt carry... A majority of the load. And then they just ask Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield to make easy, you know, super efficient throws. That's all. And I think that right now the line's five and a half. Tennessee's giving five and a half. I took Cleveland with the points anyway. 
because I think Tennessee, these are two teams that are 8-3. and three. I think Tennessee is a little overrated for 8-3, and three, and I think Cleveland is a little underrated as an 8-3 and three team, and I'll tell you why. So for Tennessee, like I started off, their offensive line, you know, they lost Jack Conklin in the free agency last year. They've got nothing out of Isaiah Wilson, the first-round pick. Taylor Luan tore his ACL. He's out for the year. And they're still running the ball pretty well. But at some point, that's going to drop off. And their defense is terrible. I can't emphasize that enough. Their defense is not good. And we've seen it in games where if you stop Derrick Henry, they don't do too well. Cleveland, a bit underrated, and deservingly so, because for the past, you know, 25 years, they've been the laughing stock of the league. It's because you don't trust Baker Mayfield, because they're the same team the Titans are. Um, They're getting Miles Garrett back this week, which is big for them. I think this is the game for Cleveland where we see if they're like one of those fake good teams, or if they're an actual good team. Because the past couple of weeks, they have played in some ugly weather, and the games have been ugly. Right, like wide open missed passes for both teams, not just them. Like missed field goals, like fumbles and turnovers. Uh, so we'll see if they could put up against the Titans this week. I can't see this game getting out of hand unless Derrick Henry just loses his mind, which is possible, but I think doubtful against this Browns defense. I mean, obviously it's Derrick Henry. He's going to get his because they give him the ball like 40 times a game. And he's already at 256 carries for the year, and it's only week third we're going into week 13 um one thing to be keep an eye on with derrick henry is since tennessee had to use their buy all the way back in week four remember they had covid um i'm kind of looking to see if derrick henry wears down himself a little bit especially as we go deep into the playoffs because that would be like two or three straight months of him just getting fed the ball like a maniac to win the game i'm gonna take tennessee because i do think they're the better team but with the points, I took. I got this game at 6. Um, so I'm taking the Browns there, if you could get that. Next game up, Bengals at the Dolphins. I'll keep this short and sweet. I think Miami has realized that Ryan Fitzpatrick is better than Tua. You could tell just by watching the game, because he can actually move the ball. Um, I'll keep this short. The Dolphins are going to kill the Bengals without Joe Burrow. That's pretty much all I got. Bengals need to work on their offensive line, but that's stuff for, you know, the offseason coming up. Don't really have much more to add there. So we can just slide on to the next game, which is the spunky Jacksonville Jaguars at 1-10 against the 5-6 Minnesota Vikings. Line on this game is currently Minnesota giving 10. I think this could get ugly for the Jaguars because... Dalvin Cook is one of those guys that could really do it to you. The Vikings are committed to the run. And they have two really good receivers in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Jefferson has really excelled in that Stephon Diggs role, you know what I mean, stretching the field. Um, And I was surprised because he was mainly a slot guy at LSU, but here he is killing it on downfield throws. Kirk Cousins has played really well this year uh, by Kirk Cousins standards and Minnesota is right in the thick of it for that last playoff spot so they need this game pretty much the Vikings are in you know must win territory they got off to a terrible start which I kind of saw coming 
because they had a lot of young players on defense. But they've been figuring it out as they go. Uh, Jacksonville is starting Mike Lennon, and I'd like to get Doug Marone and whoever else on the phone down there. You need to get that man out at quarterback immediately because you actually have a chance to win a game if he's playing quarterback, and you don't want to do that. All right, so you need to pull him and put Jake Luton back in the game. Uh, the Jaguars GM got fired last week, which means that at the end of the year, week 17, you know Doug Marone is going to get fired, so that's going to be a nice job opening. Um, if I was a coach, I'm not sure I want that job, but I'm sure some desperate coach will end up taking it. We could talk about coaches and whatnot on future podcasts because we have you know more time. We're focused on playoffs right now. But the one good thing about that job is you get, you know, one of, well, assuming they don't botch the draft. I'm assuming they're taking a quarterback. So if they do what they're supposed to do, you're going to get one of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. Most likely Justin Fields because I don't think the Jets are going to win a game. Um, So that's the only thing attractive about that job going forward. But I do think the Jaguars don't have enough to compete with Minnesota, and Minnesota's going to kill them this week. The game is in Minnesota. Not that it matters because there's no home field anymore. But Minnesota's really loud when there is fans, so I kind of wish they did have them, but it is what it is. I'm taking Minnesota. We're going to go to our next game, as we have two games left at 1 o'clock this week. This is one of them. Raiders at the Jets. Now, like I said before, the Raiders just got the living hell beat out of them by the Falcons, which I didn't see coming. And if I'm a Jets fan, I would be a little worried. I'd be a little worried. And that's because last year, the Raiders came to New York, and the Jets beat them. And if I'm the Jets, because they look a little more competent every week, except last week Miami's destroyed them. Ah, I'm scared that I might win this game. Because, I mean, obviously at this point, I've I've even heard it at work now. You know, I've heard people say, like, if I just have to endure this to get Trevor Lawrence, it'll all be worth it. Well, if you win this game, you put that in jeopardy. However, I do think the Raiders show up this week. You know, our current defending October Super Bowl champions, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they gave the Chiefs a good game, and they fell flat on their face against Atlanta. I think after they just got embarrassed, they come out and they take care of the Jets. Mostly because I think the Jets are incompetent. And I like how Joe Douglas is letting Adam Gase lose every game. There's one thing Adam Gase is really good at, and that's being terrible at his job. <laughs> you guys ever see uh, South Park? When the Cartman, Stan, Kyle, and them, they're all trying to lose their baseball summer like baseball travel league so that they could, you know, enjoy the rest of their summer. And Cartman or, I forget if it's Cartman or Stan, and they go, we need someone who's really good at sucking. And they get Kyle's cousin who doesn't know how to play sports and he's awful. That's kind of like Adam Gase. If you need somebody who's really good at sucking, he's your guy. It's not that he doesn't try hard because I think he does. He's just not good at his job. Derek Carr has been stretching the ball downfield since Henry Ruggs came back. Obviously, I don't think the Jets have anyone who could cover Darren Waller because I don't think most teams have anyone who could cover Darren Waller. I'm going to take the Raiders here. 
Um, am I touching Raiders giving eight and a half? Absolutely not, because I don't trust them at all. But I do think they win the game. Which puts the Jets, obviously, at 0-12. And still on the inside track to get the first pick in the draft. Moving right along, we have the Indianapolis Colts against the Houston Texans. Now, originally, I did not want to touch this game. But, Will Fuller and Bradley Roby both got popped for using PEDs. They are suspended for the rest of this season, and their suspension runs into the start of next season. I will start by saying this. Whatever drugs we were giving Will Fuller to make him stay healthy, they need to be legalized immediately. Because this dude was literally the guy from Spongebob who wakes up, you know, and breaks both of his arms and both of his legs every day, and he's got glass bone and paper skins. That was Will Fuller. And now here he is in the middle of a full, you know, he hasn't missed a game all year. So whatever he was taking, we need to legalize that so that we have less injuries, specifically for people like Will Fuller. Um, But in all seriousness, that's a big loss for the Texans. Will Fuller is obviously the guy who makes this offense go, you know, outside of Deshaun Watson, obviously. His speed really stretches the field. His loss leaves the Texans with only one really proven receiver in Brandon Cooks because obviously Kenny Stills is no longer with the team. The Texans still can't block and they still can't play defense. So losing Fuller is a big hit. Also, Bradley Roby is a really good corner in man-to-man coverage. And losing him, obviously, I don't even know who their second corner is. I'd have to look at their depth chart. Um, Let's see if we can find that real quick. Because I'm assuming now that Michael Pittman is going to eat. He's the emerging number one receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. If you weren't on top of that in Dynasty Leagues, you missed out on your buy low opportunity because he got hurt to start the season. Um, all right, so the Texans' top two corners are Vernon Hargraves, who got cut from the Buccaneers, and Philip Gaines, who's an ex-chief, who I know is terrible. So, yeah, Michael Pittman should have a good day um, at the office on Sunday. For the Colts, I know they just got steamrolled by Tennessee. They split with Tennessee this year. The Colts need this game to keep pace with the Titans for first place in the AFC South. Uh, Now, obviously, it doesn't benefit the Texans to tank because they don't have the first-round pick. But I think for the Colts, when you're playing against the Titans, that game is going to be one up front in the trenches, like most games are. But really, against the Titans, it comes out even, you know, more. They didn't have DeForest Buckner. They didn't have Anthony Costanzo. They didn't have Ryan Kelly. They didn't have Jonathan Taylor. There's no way of stopping Derrick Henry with DeForest Buckner not in the game. It's not happening. And there's no way without your starting center, your starting left tackle, and your starting running back, and Quentin Nelson, who's banged up right now, that you're going to be able to run the ball the way you want to run it. As of this recording, most of, or all of, the aforementioned players will be back, which means Houston is in trouble. Because not only can they not stop the run, but the Colts are really good at running it. That was the first time all year the Colts' defense really got lit up. was the past two weeks against Aaron Rodgers and then against, you know, Tennessee. Two different styles of offense. I don't know if Houston is going to be able, able to consistently move the ball against the Colts without Will Fuller out there. So I, I think this one could get ugly. 
it's a divisional game, so it'll most likely be close. But if there was ever a divisional game that could get out of hand, this one is it. I'm going to take the Colts here to keep pace with Tennessee, or attempt to keep pace with Tennessee for the AFC South lead. All right, 4 o'clock. We have four games, which, thank God, because I hate when there's only like two or three games on. Last week, there was only two 4 o'clock games because the Denver game was at 4 o'clock, and that doesn't really count, so that was brutal. Uh, Rams and Cardinals, this is a massive, massive game for the NFC West. Cardinals 6-5, and five, Rams 7-4. and four. Sean McVay pretty much called out Jared Goff in a press conference. I saw it on Twitter somewhere, and they kind of asked him about you know turning it over and whatnot, and Sean McVay was like, yeah, our quarterback has to stop turning it over. So Sean McVay knows that Jared Goff's terrible. Um, for the Cardinals, they went into New England last week, and they lost. Not a surprise. Young quarterbacks against Bill Belichick, bound to have terrible things happen to them. This is big though because the Seahawks are eight and three, the Rams are six are seven and four, Cardinals are six and five, and the 49ers are five and six. So they're all kind of right there. I mean, obviously Seattle a little bit in, uh, ahead. If the Cardinals drop this game, we need to hit the red panic lurk button. Because 6-6 six and six would not be good with Minnesota chomping at their heels for the wild card. For the Rams, this game is going to be simple. They need to control the clock and prevent Jared Goff from doing anything stupid. Which is hard to do because he's pretty terrible. And I wish Lou was here for this one. Because this is his boys against a quarterback that he can't stand. For the Cardinals, we need to go back to what we're good at. Which is running the ball... And protecting, we'll try to protect Kyler Murray. Uh, it's obvious if you watch the game, his shoulder is not 100%, which means dropping back to pass, you know, 9,000 times is not gonna is not a good answer here. The Rams can put up points in bunches when their offense is feeling it. I don't know if their offense will be feeling it this week, but they're playing the Arizona Cardinals defense, who can't stop anybody. So I'm assuming the Cardinals will be feeling it. I mean, the Rams will be feeling it. Excuse me. Now, is it possible we get bad Jared Goff and he's just terrible again? Like last week, yeah, of course it's possible because he's a terrible quarterback. But I'm going to take the Rams to win this game. I normally wouldn't. But I just don't like that Kyler Murray is banged up because he is most of the offense. I know they have Hopkins and, you know, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. Like, I get it. But if your quarterback that you rely on to do everything is not 100%, you're probably going to lose. I think... The Rams dominate up front with Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald like they normally do. We get to see Jalen Ramsey against DeAndre Hopkins, which is pretty sweet. Ramsey has been really, really good this year. Now that he's not quote-unquote injured. Um, I'm just going to take the Rams. I just I trust them in this spot more. I think the Cardinals are one of those teams that are learning how to win. And I think the Rams are one of those teams that know how to win even if their quarterback is god-awful. So I'm taking the Rams. The next game here, we got the New York Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. Now, at first, I was really intrigued by this game, going into it like two or three weeks ago. Daniel Jones was playing well. The Giants as a whole were playing well. Seattle's defense was terrible. And now we get to see that Daniel Jones is injured and Colt McCoy is most likely going to get the start in this game which means the Giants are about to get steamrolled. So I'm going to take Seattle and not waste too much time here. 
They get a soft part of their schedule. Giants this week, Jets next next week. So that's two free wins. Um, that'll put them at ten and three, assuming they win both of those games. So that's why I said before for the Rams and Cardinals, those are big games because Seattle gets an easy part of their schedule here. Uh, moving on, because like I said, nothing to say there in that game. Eagles and Packers. Another game. Not really much to say. Carson Wentz is terrible. It's not Doug Peterson's fault that Carson Wentz can't hit three-yard slant routes. All right. I'm sure most of the people listening to this could go in their backyard and hit three-yard slant routes in their sleep. Carson Wentz's mechanics are terrible, and that's why the ball does not go where he wants it to go. It's pretty simple. They'll probably fix that in the offseason or attempt to fix that in the offseason. But he holds on to the ball too long, and he's inaccurate, which means he's not good. The Packers right now are steamrolling people, and they're going to stomp the Eagles this weekend as well. It'll drop the Eagles to 3-8-1, and one, and I'm not really sure what you do because Carson Wentz is your quarterback. Because if you try to get rid of him, at $60 million in dead cap space, which means you can't get rid of him. I'm taking the Packers to essentially clinch the NFC North this week. So I would put them in 9-3. and three. If the Vikings win, they'll be 6-6. Six and six. So I guess they still have a chance technically, but it's like 1%. So I'm taking the Packers this week. Let's get to the other 430 game. Patriots at the Chargers. This game is a pick'em somehow. I don't look, look. The Chargers have found every possible way to lose a game slash blow a cover. All right, the Chargers are super talented, and I and listen, it's blinded me for a long time. Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler's back. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. They have Bosa and Ingram on defense. They drafted Kenneth Murray. They have all these star players. And guess what? They can't win. I don't know why. It can't. Everyone's saying it's all Anthony Lynn's fault. I doubt it's the coach's fault for losing all of these games. Is some of them on him? Yes. Like last week, like what the hell was that? I don't know what that was. And that blew my, that blew my cover on the game, so I'm kind of pissed about that. They just do stupid stuff all the time. And it's like the little things, like fine details, like staying in bounds when you're winning a game, which doesn't kill the clock. Or for throwing three straight times. And like it didn't come back to burn them against the Jets, but like, what are you doing? Just run the ball three times. Why are you throwing? You know, they fumble inside the five. They turn the ball over. They can't get stops when it matters. Like, I don't know what their deal is. And you're trying to tell me that the team that has found every way to lose is going up against a team that historically, at least in my lifetime, has found every way to win, and you're going to put that out of pick them. There's no way. The Patriots are winning this game. I, I don't care that they struggle in the beginning of December in warm weather games, you know, blow, I don't, I, whatever. I know Cam Newton's not good, but the Patriots are going to control this game the way they have been doing it the past couple of weeks. They're going to run the ball, they're going to play defense. And young quarterbacks against Bill Belichick do not do well. Look it up. He's something like he's like thirty something and three or whatever all time against first or second year starting quarterbacks. There's no way the Chargers win this game. New England's gonna win this game because they're better than what their record says they are. 
They're going to go down onto six and six. Chargers are going to fall to three and nine. As a Chiefs fan, that upsets me because I don't want them to keep getting all these good players. But they can't win. Anthony Lynn's going to get fired. He could be the next head coach of the Jets. We don't know. But I'm taking the Patriots. And if you take the Chargers at this point, coming from me, who's been on the Chargers bandwagon for a long time, I don't know what you're doing. You're taking the Patriots. All right, sorry, I had to get that out because they've been killing me. Last couple of games we got going on here. Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Denver normally plays us tough when we play in Denver. We got that game out of the way already. Denver's quarterbacks are clear to play, I think. I'm pretty sure they are, unless, you know, because the COVID list is tricky. Um, as of right now, they are clear to play. The line is Kansas City given 14. Look, I don't think the Chiefs, there's any way the Chiefs lose this game. Denver's super beat up, and last time the Chiefs, past two times, or three times, the Chiefs have played Denver. They've beaten the living hell out of them. And I expect that to continue this week. Pat Mahomes is the MVP of the league. That's pretty much cemented at this point. Unless Russell Wilson goes back on a tear like he did to start the year. Tyreek Hill, top two receiver in the league. You have an option. You have Devontae Adams or you have Tyreek Hill. I don't want to hear this DeAndre Hopkins nonsense. Right? Now, obviously, Antonio Brown is the real best receiver in the league. But the way he's currently being used, you just can't make that argument right now. Um, now, if Antonio Brown went to it, uh, just based off pure town, Antonio Brown is hands down the best receiver in the league, not close. Imagine Devontae Adams with separation speed. Um, you got the best receiver, like, so a top two or three receiver. You got the best tight end in football. You got the best quarterback in football. Hopefully, the Chiefs get some guys back on their offensive line. And you're playing against a team that just played a game without a quarterback. So, hmm. Denver's going to have to make a choice there on Drew Locke. Now, obviously, he's gotten hurt, so you can't not have a full evaluation with him. And when he's played, they've actually won like three games. So, he's not terrible. He's just one of those guys that's going to be hot and cold, it looks like. That when he's on, he's really good. And when he's off, he's really bad. So, that pretty much means to me you don't have a quarterback. The Chiefs are going to win this game. The Chiefs need to win this game because they have to keep pace with the Steelers, who are going to win, which is the next game on the slate. Monday, in the, I guess, late afternoon slot, 5 o'clock. I don't know. Is that night? Is that late afternoon? I don't know. Uh, Steelers 11-0 playing Washington. Pittsburgh hasn't played anyone, really. They've played two good teams, and both times they've taken them down to the last couple of seconds. I think the Steelers' overrated talk is kind of overblown, but this week they're playing Washington, who is probably going to get killed. Alex Smith might get murdered. Um, I'll keep this one short and sweet. Steelers are going to win this game. As a Chiefs fan, we need them to lose. I get it, but I don't think this is the game that they're going to lose. Steelers' defense is dominant. Washington is like a makeshift offense between you know Alex Smith, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. They don't have the pieces to compete with Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, there's no way. I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this game to beat Washington, even though Washington, this is a big game for them because the Giants are going to lose, which means Washington could take over first place in the division if they somehow manage to win this game. And wouldn't that be nice of Alex Smith to return the favor to the Chiefs to win this game? That would be pretty sweet. The Monday night game, now this is a game right here. 
the line has moved drastically on this game. I saw it open at Buffalo Bills giving two and a half. It is now at a clean pick'em. Bills at 49ers. The 49ers are getting healthy. They got Richard Sherman back. They got Raheem Mostert back. The Bills playing well right now, coming off their bye. Their defense really showed up last week against the Chargers, finally. That was the one part of the Bills team that I've been really worried about was their defense because that's what they hang their hats on. And if you're not playing defense, what are you doing? This is a massive game because Miami is right on the Bills' rear end. Right up. They're 7-4. and four. They're going to win this week as they're playing Cincinnati. This is a must-win for the Bills. If the 49ers lose this game, they're pretty much out of it, 5-7, and seven, because their division is stacked. I think Buffalo... Buffalo... No, I think. Let me start over. Buffalo should win this game. They're better. But so far in big games, and I love Josh Allen. I'm a big Josh Allen guy. I've turned around on him. I thought he was going to be terrible. He's not terrible. But in big games so far, he has not played well. Which I don't know if it's the coach gets out schemed or he just can't handle it. Like, I don't know what it is. This is a big game. I want to see how he plays. I'm going to take Buffalo, but I would not be surprised. Obviously, it's, I mean, it's a pick 'em. I would not be surprised if San Francisco came out and really gave the Bills a problem. I hope they don't because I think that Buffalo was the third best team in the AFC, I think. And if they win this week, that would pretty much confirm it, that they are a step above Tennessee. Even though Tennessee beat them, I don't really care. This is a big game for Josh Allen. I'll just I'll keep saying that. John Brown's not going to play, so it's all going to be on Diggs, Allen, Gabriel Davis if he steps up. I think this is going to be one of those games you see Josh Allen running a lot. They're going to because Buffalo knows they need to win this one. And it's the best way to get your quarterback confidence, get him some easy yards on the ground. And you could do that against the 49ers because the 49ers struggle with mobile quarterbacks. Just look what Kyle Murray and Russell Wilson have done to them the past 2 years. Even when their defense was fully healthy, they got torched by Seattle and Arizona. So I'm going to take Buffalo in this game, even though I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Last game of the week is actually on Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Cowboys at Ravens. Ravens are going to kill the Cowboys. There's not really much to analyze here. Dallas is not good. Dallas can't block. Dallas can't run the ball. Dallas can barely pass the ball. They just got rocked on Thanksgiving Day against Washington. The Ravens just took Pittsburgh to the, down to the final you know, minute and 40 seconds, and that's without a quarterback, without a running back, without their tight end, without half their defense. All of those guys should be back this week. You know, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, Clays Campbell... This could get ugly for the Cowboys, and the Ravens are desperate now, 6-5. and five. If they want to make the playoffs, they need to beat the teams that are terrible, and Dallas is one of those teams that is terrible. So I'm taking the Ravens. There's currently no line on this game, actually. I don't think there is. Let me see if I could pull it up. Monday, no, there's no line on this game. They pulled it. Too much going on with COVID, I think. All right, so that's all we got for today. As always, follow us at Beak Brands, Instagram, and Twitter. Feel free to interact. 
You can follow me at Tim Ferdinand. You can follow Lou, who's not here, at Lou Jocks. That's going to wrap it up for me, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.